Um, in a moment, we'll hear from Carol, uh, who will read our scripture readings and pray our prayer of illumination. I just want to uh, highlight that the John text today, it talks about the, uh, the Greeks who were wanting to hear from Jesus at the feast, or who, was, who were there at the feast. The feast and the gathering that they're talking about is preceded in the earlier part of that chapter in John. Uh, it's actually the triumphal entry and the entrance into the Passover feast in Jerusalem that was beginning the Passion Week for Christ as we hear it in the Gospel of John. A little bit of context that will help set up that reading for you this, e- this morning. So let's hear from Carol and our scripture readings. Thank you. Let us pray. Guide us, O God, by your word and Holy Spirit that in your light, we may see light. In your truth, we may find freedom. And in your will, we may discover peace. In Christ our Lord, amen. Our first scripture reading is actually going to be two two different readings. The first of the first ones will be um, Psalm 119, verses nine to 16, to be found on page 566 in the Bible. How can a young man keep his way pure by living according to your word? I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, O Lord. Teach me your decrees. With my lips, I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statues, excuse me, statues, as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. Our second first scripture reading is from John, as Seth had mentioned. It's chapter 12, verses 20 to 33, found on page 106. Now there were some Greeks among those who came, who went up to worship at the feast. They came to Philip, who was from Bethsaida in Galilee, with a request. Sir, they said, we would like to see Jesus. Philip went to tell Andrew, Andrew and Philip in turn told Jesus. Jesus replied, the hour has come for the son of man to be glorified. I tell you the truth, unless a kernel of wheat falls to the ground and dies, it remains only a single seed. But if it dies, it produces many seeds. The man who loves his life will lose it, while the man who hates his life in this world will keep it for eternal life. Whoever serves me must follow me, and where I am, my servant also will be. My father will honor the one who serves me. Now my heart is troubled, and what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour? No, it was for this very reason I came to this hour. Father, glorify your name. Then a voice came from heaven. I have glorified it and will glorify it again. The crowd that was there and heard it said it had thundered. Others said an angel had spoken to him. 
Jesus said, this voice was for your benefit, not mine. Now in the time, now in the time for judgment on this world, now the prince of this world will be driven out. But I, when I am lifted up from the earth, will draw all men to myself. He said this to show the kind of death he was going to die. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Thank you, Carol. Before I uh, continue on with our reading from the book of Hebrews, I just want to remind us that this morning we're going through these lectionary texts um, from the writings of the New Testament in order to get this arc and trajectory, this, this shape of what it means to follow Jesus down the road to the cross, to journey deeper into Christ. And I want to I actually pull back to the beginning of Hebrews chapter 5. The lectionary reading begins at verse 5, but I want to start with verse 1 in order to set the stage for what is there. So hear the word of the Lord as we encounter it through the writer of, the Hebrew, of Hebrews. And what this writer is doing is they're, they're contrasting the priestly order of civil religion with an ordained priesthood that is outside, other, submitted wholly not to the ways of civic support, but to the will of God alone. Here are sermon scripture reading. Hebrews 5, every priest, every high priest chosen from among mortals is put in charge of things pertaining to God on their behalf to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal gently with the ignorant and wayward, since he himself is subject to weakness, and because of this, he must offer sacrifice for his own sins as well as for those of the people. And one who does not presume to take, one does not presume to take this honor, but takes it on only when called by God, just as was Aaron. So also, Christ did not glorify himself in becoming a high priest, but was appointed by the one who said to him, you are my son, today I have begotten you. As he says also in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverent submission. Although he was a son, he learned obedience through what he suffered, and having been made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him, having been designated by God a high priest according to the order of Melchizedek. Pray with me. God, may we see in this text the clear reality of how you, Christ, took upon yourself the sufferings of our world, how you submitted your, to those sufferings and gave up your power in order to undo all injustice and suffering. May we, Lord, find the steps to take that we could come along in that journey with you, giving up ourselves for the needs of those around us who are suffering. The grass withers and the flower fades, but your word stands forever, O Lord. Amen. 
As I've said, we're going through this season of Lent. We're looking at steps along the journey of Christian formation that lead us to a deeper sense of participation and belonging in the heart of Christ. We are becoming Christ followers. And that is a journey that we take this year, and it is a lifelong journey that we endeavor upon to be made holy like Christ. The last couple of weeks of the journey are where it gets more difficult. Or perhaps I could say that at this point in the journey, I know I want to resist more growth. We began with remembering the first steps of baptism and faith. And then we journeyed into deeper wisdom and an encounter of grace to share with the world. But these final two weeks that lead us to Good Friday are going to require more of us. Or at least they're going to require more from parts of us that we are less inclined to grow. Today we see that the journey with Christ requires submission. That's a peculiar word for our context, so we'll unpack that a bit. And then next week, once we have embraced the call to submission, we take the final step of humility and self-emptying letting go of all that we hold and all that gives us power to fully embrace the road with Christ which leads to the cross. Today we must wrestle with what it means to submit to God's journey. But first, though, I want to talk about traffic signs. Specifically the yield sign. Over the last few years, Whatcom County have hopefully, we hope, uh, become a bit more acquainted with the yield sign. We, we now have a number of roundabouts across our county, on State Street, Cordata Parkway, even the big ones out on the Guide Meridian and Mount Baker Highway. We're so European, aren't we? <laughs> I remember the biggest roundabout I've ever been in, driving through Rome, an enormous multi-lane circle just outside the Roman Forum. We were driving back from getting our rental car, and I'm pretty sure I drove the wrong way and exited the wrong way, because when I returned back home to Bellingham, I received a big fat ticket in the mail. Thank you, Italy. That's another story for another time, though. At the roundabout, we are meant to yield to the cars that are already in the circle. This is a little driving lesson for you if you need it. The cars coming in or driving through on your left have the right-of-way. You yield by letting them go past and entering the circle when there is safe distance to do so without disrupting the flow of those oncoming cars. You yield. And when you don't yield, you gum up the whole mix. Roundabouts are meant to encourage a more fluid movement of traffic and reduce backups that would otherwise, otherwise happen at stop signs. And they work when you do them the right way. It's amazing. I remember also driving through an enormous roundabout in the heart of New York City. Thankfully, this time I was on a tour bus, not driving. No tickets here. I remember looking out at all the entries and exits from the circle, the way a complex body of cars were able to dart in and out and keep moving in sync. 
with each other, each on their own way to their own particular destination. Yielding is great, isn't it? When we think of submission, I find it helpful to think of yielding. The words have a slightly different meaning, but submission often gets hijacked by unhelpful concepts of patriarchy and dominance. So I prefer to think of the concept of yielding when I think of what it means to submit like Christ. Much harm has been perpetrated in the name of submission, especially by those who hold power. But to yield, this is the way of Jesus, to let others go first, to make space, to defer out of care for the well-being of others. And this is where we find Jesus. The passage from Hebrews makes it clear that Jesus could have taken the right of way and stood in as high priest. He could have gathered up the power that he needed to lead. Interesting how the author of Hebrews presents this argument, by the way. They make it clear that priests are called by God and that call is recognized by people and their honor is to serve as a representative of the people in God's temple and sacred practices. So it is important that verse 5 here states that he did not take up the mantle of high priest out of his own power, but rather his anointing came from God alone, who placed him in the line of prophets and kings and priests of Israel. The two references, by the way, in verses 5 and 6, look back at the baptism of Jesus and at the anointing of King David in the Psalms. Jesus submitted to this tradition instead of dominating and claiming it. To play with the word a little bit, the word submit for a moment, Jesus did not submit his name for the task. Hey, sign me up. I'll submit my name. Instead, Jesus submitted to the suffering of another as a way of sacrifice and service, a way of yielding in submission. Now, let's, let's talk about Melchizedek for a moment. Now, that name occurs a handful of times throughout the whole of Scripture, and for many of us, it's a bit of a head-scratcher. What is this Melchizedek all about? The order of Melchizedek seems cryptic or esoteric, uh, right? It's, it's, it's not the name of the Israelite priestly class, the Levites. It's not the tradition like the Pharisees or the Sadducees, the schools of religious thought and practice. No, the order of Melchizedek is something different. Abraham encounters the hospitality of King Melchizedek of Salem early on in his journey of calling by God. King David is crowned and anointed as a king and priest alike to the order of Melchizedek. And Christ is designated by God as a priest of the order of Melchizedek himself. These references can make us scratch our heads, yes, but they can also show us something of the otherness of the way of God and what it is about. Abram, when he meets Melchizedek, is named Abram, he's an outsider. He's called by God to make a nation out of nothing, a chosen people. But he needed to submit to not harnessing power or privilege wealth or position to do this. 
When he faltered, he departed from that calling. And when he was faithful, the blessing of God led him to make a family with descendants which outnumbered the grains of sand on the shore. David was just a boy when he received his calling to become king, but not a king like any other king that Israel had desired. A king instead who was faithful and who submitted to God's way, not of power and might, but of praise, worship, and obedience. David was a king unlike any other, and despite his faults, he also showed how the blessing of God came through suffering and reliance upon God alone. Christ, then, finally, embraced this way in the order of Melchizedek, not becoming a priest in the normal way, but choosing sacrifice and low position from which to serve and bring good news. His priestly way was like no other. It was not what was expected or desired by the people. He was a revolutionary, but not the way that people wanted. He embraced this other order, this way of submission and letting go that let the ego go and the power to suffer and die given up to the powerful. Hebrews 5, 7 from our text today takes to heart Christ's submission. In the days of his flesh, Jesus offered up prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death. And he was heard because of his reverent submission. Jesus models submission. He models yielding, but not with fighting tooth and nail for power, but by crying out in lament at the injustice of the whole system that would put an innocent man to death. Jesus submits in this way to the authorities, to the powers that be, letting them break him, being killed on the cross. And it is through this submission of his power that he breaks the power of the system. The system expects resistance. The Roman oppressors expect torture victims to make an appeal and perhaps incite a riot. That's what makes oppressing them even more justified. It is the submission of Christ that we see and that we are meant to model. So how do we do this? How do we learn to submit like Christ and find this other way? As I mentioned earlier this week, we witnessed yet another unspeakable horror of gun violence and racial hatred unfold in our nation. Eight Korean Americans were gunned down in Atlanta on Tuesday, most, the most recent of an ongoing series of atrocities perpetrated by white supremacists in hatred of the other in our nation. Since I began my discernment process to enter into full-time ministry as a pastor, these kind of occurrences have become so normal that we have liturgies and practices that we engage each time they happen. And I've said this before, there have been too many Sunday mornings when I've had to stand up and denounce the evils of white supremacy and gun violence that have been perpetrated in our nation. From Charlottesville, North Carolina, to the Pulse nightclub shootings, 
to the repeated beatings and lynchings of black and brown bodies by police, to hate-motivated killings of children at Sandy Hook Elementary, to this most recent brutal attack on the Asian American community, fed by hatred and division stoked over this last year, we find ourselves stuck in the quagmire of hatred and violence in this country. And unfortunately, the church, specifically the white church, has often been silent. Here's the deal. This is where submission and yielding help us. Brothers and sisters in Christ, it is time for us to yield to the ones in our country who have their backs against the wall. The ones who are living in fear. It is time for us to yield and become uncomfortable. How, you ask? Well, it's time for us to call for repentance for those among our kin. It's time for us to name white hatred as a sin. It's time for us to stand up and stand beside those who are too long oppressed and living in fear of violence. It's time for us to yield our position and let them speak. Let their cries be heard. We think of Christ on the cross, as this passage mentions, his lament. We must listen to the lament and make space for it. It's time for us to take the uncomfortable path of submission and to yield and repent. Our passage from the book of John this morning, Jesus talks about a kernel of wheat. And he says that it is, it's not enough for the kernel of wheat to simply fall on the ground. But actually, that, that kernel, that, that, that seed inside the husk, has to fall and it has to break down. It has to become one with the earth, break down into the soil. And it's only then that new life breaks through and grows up. And so what it looks like for us in this time is for us to willingly break open and say, no more. To stand and say, we must water the fertile soil of new life by listening to the ones who are in this place of sorrow. We must also be the ones who help water that soil, that kernel so that it might grow up. And how we do that is we stand strong with those who are hurting. We use our voice. We use our joy and our life and our bodies and all that God has given us to bring about that justice. And we do not stand for anything less. This is the way of Christ, to let go of all our position, privilege, power in order that those who are so desperately in need might be able to gain that space themselves, to give up of ourselves. Next week, we will hear the passage from Philippians, where we hear that Christ, being in the same way God, gave up all of himself to take on the place of a servant. And in that, his glory came not through his position as the Son of God, but through his humility, his giving up, his becoming like the seed 
that would then grow into new life. Friends, we can be like that seed, but only if we will let it fall. Friends, today, I invite you to submit yourselves wholly to Christ. May it be a gift. May it be a letting go, and may it be a turn for us as we then stand with those in need. Let us pray. God, on a morning like today and in the season like we're in, I feel quite uncertain and insufficient in knowing what it means for me to really take the step of faith and submission with you. I have a lot that I want to hold on to. I have a lot that makes me secure and and makes me uh, feel comfortable in the world. And so, Lord, I ask today that you would uh, open my eyes, that I might see the ways that I can let go, give up, submit to your will. And I pray this on behalf of our church. We together, Lord, long to submit to your will and way in this world. The work of injustice and hatred has, has perpetuated for too long. So, Lord, we ask that in your mercy you would reveal to us the steps of faith that will lead us to the place where the kernel of wheat that is in us would grow out of new life in the ground. Lord, have mercy upon those who are wailing and crying this morning. Be with them and comfort them. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.